The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. Well, good morning, everyone. How are we? We going well? That is good. Um, before we get into uh, today's sermon, uh, just a couple things. Um, we have put together a scripture reading coming up from this Sunday onwards throughout the rest of March. And so what I want to encourage you to do is I want to encourage you to come join us in reading the whole Gospel of John over the next five weeks. So if you have a Bible, if you have a phone, you have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles out there. They're free. They're for you. Uh, What we're going to do for the next five weeks is we are going to spend an intensive bit of time in our personal lives of just praying, fasting, and reading through the Gospel of John. And each week when you come, we're going to preach from a story that was in those particular chapters. So we're not going to tell you what those are. Hopefully you've read them before we get there. But we're going to just be preaching through John as we get to the resurrection of Jesus on our Easter Sunday. So they're kind of like what we're going to be doing. So this coming week, if you want to read John 1 to 4, uh, come next week. Uh, Sam Wright from Coomera Baptist is going to be preaching uh, from a passage that's in there. So Uh, It's going to be the cleansing of the temple. I'll just let you know that one. The rest you've got to work out and pray. So if you want to join us in that, I want to just invite you and encourage you. Like just, just pray, just read. And if you can, come and join us in fasting, going without some food. Um, You can go like, we joked the other week about how Paul didn't fast from social media. But hey, if that's your thing and you want to fast from social media, just it's an idea of we're going to put aside some specific time to just meet with the Lord. And just pray and ask Him to move. And every time we do this throughout our church, we always hear stories of God just moving mightily in people's lives and in different ways. So I want to invite you to come uh, and do that with us. And there'll be more things going on. If you are signed up to the newsletter, there's going to be a link that's going to be in the newsletter that also has a list of about eight questions that you can ask as you read the Scriptures that help you to get something out of it. So that'll be a PDF or some link in there will be in the newsletter this week. So get that. And then after that, we are going to be in 1 Corinthians for the rest of the year. So we are going to do the longest preaching series we've ever done. And we're not even going to finish it. So we are going to go from 1 Corinthians all the way up to chapter 14 this year. And then beginning of next year, we're going to do chapter 15 and 16 leading into Easter. So we're actually going to be in the book of Corinthians for the rest of this year. So can I encourage you, if you want a journal or something, go organize and buy an ESV journal so that you can bring to church every Sunday and just take notes and write because we're going to be digging deep into this book. The reason that we're doing that is because we've been talking about discipleship and we're now going to go and explore a church that shows us that discipleship is really messy. That it's not just this beautiful, beautiful picture where everything is just going from like, we're not saved to now we're saved and the church is just beautiful and perfect. Actually, the church is really, really messy. But the gospel is for messy people. And so we've titled it, Messy Church, Gracious God. And so I want to encourage you to, to be in on that. Are you with me? Great. Everyone's buying ESV, First Corinthian journals. Great. All right. Uh, we have been going through the book, uh, through the passage of Matthew, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. We've been reading it together every week as we consider the idea of discipleship. And I just want to remind us that this is God's word. He is who he says he is. He has done what he says he has done and he will do what he says he will do. Amen. Amen. Well, let's read Matthew 28, 18 to 20 together. It says this, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So we've been looking at this verse and we've been exploring the idea of a disciple is someone that knows Jesus, trusts Jesus and follows Jesus. And I want to look at the particular part in there where he says, go. Today I've just titled this sermon, Go. Got very creative, went to my thesaurus, that's all I got for you, go. So the commission here, Jesus comes to his disciples and he commissions them to go. Now we started at the beginning of this series in week one, we looked at the fact that we were made in the image of God, that humans, Adam and Eve and everybody after them would be made in the image of God. And in verse uh, 28 of chapter one of Genesis, it says, and God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. In other words, go. Adam and Eve, go. The whole earth is at your footstool. Go and fill the earth with my glory. Fill the earth with my image. And then as we know, sin enters the story, sin, brokenness, and it fractures the image of God that we have. And so now rather than imaging God in the way that we were created to, now we image God in part ways and in flawed ways. And we are like in many ways, just like this broken, fractured mirror. But then if you read the Old Testament from Genesis 3, 16, there is this, what we call the Proto-Euangelion. It's the first gospel ever entered into there. It's this promise that one day someone is coming who is going to crush the head of the serpent. And that person's name is Jesus. And so the whole Old Testament is just pointing to the day when Jesus would come, that he would go to that cross, that he would die that death and he would raise again and he would start this new family, this new people in which the Spirit of God would start to restore them back into being the image bearers that he desired for them to be. And so this passage that uh, we see in Matthew is Jesus coming before his disciples. He has commissioned them to go now after his death after his resurrection, and now to start living that out. And Acts 1.8 continues on and it says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses as you go. You will be reflecting me, witnessing to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so the idea being is that the, the picture that Jesus has is the way that we are restored as his people is through the ongoing process of discipleship. That we come to faith in Jesus, we start to know who he is, and then he starts to transform us by the power of his spirit through his word in the church so that we would become his People. And so Jesus does the work of redemption on the cross. The Spirit applies the work of redemption to us as His people. And this is really important. The goal of Jesus was not converts. The goal for Jesus was disciples. The goal for Jesus wasn't believers. It was followers. In fact, the word Christian is used three times in the entire Bible. Just three. One of them is a slur. 
but 281 times the word disciple is used in the New Testament. In other words, it's not that conversion is not good. It is. God wants all of us to be saved, to be followers of Jesus. He wants us all to believe. But more than that, He wants us to join Him in the mission of being disciples and making disciples, that we would continue to grow and be sanctified and be transformed and be changed. And so I want us to see here a few things about the heart and purpose of Jesus. So number one, I want us to see the heart of Jesus. So let's go before the commission. Jesus is risen from the dead. The story tells us that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary come to the tomb. They don't expect it to be empty, but it is empty. And then they have a visitation with an angel who then tells them to go and tell everybody else about the resurrection of Jesus and tell the other disciples to come and meet them in Galilee. Here's what it says. This is verse 5 of 28. It says, But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. Amen? That is good news. He's not dead. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. Verse 8, So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I just like, Greetings. It's like, you were dead. Hi. So cool. Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This idea of being afraid or fear, it's an emotional experience in anticipation of something, of pain, Danger, usually accompanied by a desire to flee or flight. Flight or fight. <laughs> Do you notice in that, in that passage, three times, it acknowledges that they are afraid, that they doubt? Why? Well, I think Jesus understands what it is to be human. They are afraid. As soon as he is dead, they are afraid and they run and they hide for their lives. Then Jesus comes and there's still a mixture of joy and fear. And they come and they worship and he still says, do not be afraid. And I love this. After he's resurrected, he goes to Galilee. He sees in verse 17. This is before our key passage. Verse 17, it says, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. I really love that the Bible does this because who here doubts? Who here is like at all times filled with joy and just constantly worshiping Jesus at all times? I'm glad no one's hand went up because I would have pointed you out and embarrassed you in front of everyone. I would not have. Jesus, I want you to see the heart of Jesus. Jesus knows that as he calls his people, as he says, come and follow me, that we will be filled with doubt, that we will be filled with fear. And that's why the very next words are so important. And Jesus came and said to them. In the garden, God commissions Adam and Eve, says, be fruitful and multiply, go. They mess up. Who comes to who first? God. 
God comes to Adam in the garden. He is the one who is pursuing. As, as, as Jesus is giving this commission, as he's seeing them, and he is being, he's the resurrected Jesus, he knows that they will doubt and they will fear and they will be afraid. And so he pursues them. He comes to them. This is the good news. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know everything that's going on in everybody's life. But here's what I do know. Jesus is with his people. And so as he calls his disciples to follow him, he anticipates they're going to have moments where they doubt and they need to be reminded that he has authority, that he will be with them. We are going to go through 1 Corinthians and this church is a mess. You thought our church is a mess. Wait to get the 1 Corinthian church and what they need to be reminded of over and over and over and over again is that God is the God who comes to the mess. That's our God. And this is what he does. Number two, notice who Jesus calls. So not just his heart to come to them and to comfort them, but notice who he calls. Now, when I first became a Christian, I assumed Christian practices of discipleship were done by the person at the front. Dang it. Now I'm one of those people. I used to think it was the really, really good Christians. You know, you know those people? The ones who are like always just amazing. They are the ones who always worship. They're the ones always with joy. Like Donna, just is always happy. I don't know how Donna is always happy. She just is always happy. She's always smiling. I don't know how she does that. And I, I, I thought that there is like this, this practice, this ministry thing that those who are professionals do. But what we see here is Jesus actually says, no, this is what all Christians do. So notice the, the instruction is to go and make disciples, teaching everyone to obey the commission of God. That's not just obey all the other rules and not this one thing. He's saying, no, no, the idea is I'm going to teach you about me. You're going to be walking with me, following me, and now I'm sending you out. And I want you now as one of my disciples to go and make another disciple and then teach them that they would then go and make another disciple and then teach them that they would go make another disciple. And that's how we get to the ends of the earth. That's how we get to being people of God in North Lakes 2024 is because a bunch of people went and said, okay, we're going to go make disciples. And then those people went and then they went and made disciples and those people went and then went and made disciples. And all of a sudden, you and I, somewhere along that journey, somewhere along that story, someone told us about Jesus. We heard about him. We became Christians. We became followers of Jesus. And now we are, in fact, seeking to make more and more disciples. Now, if that doesn't scare you, um, then you're a lot better than I am. Because when I started to realize that God was calling me, I looked at myself and went, I can't do that. Anyone, anyone in my ball? I, I can't do that. Why? Well, because I've got all this sin that I can't overcome. I've got all these problems. I've got these addictions. I've got all these things. I've got this past. I can't, like, I can't lead anyone to, to God. And that's why Jesus said, hey, I've got the authority. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And keep trusting that I will be with you as you do this. This is not perfect Christians seeking to make other perfect Christians. This is blind men and women leading the blind, but holding on to Jesus. As he slowly guides us and directs us. So the first part of the commission is go. This word go literally means as you are going about your ordinary everyday life. As you do whatever it is you do, as you work where you work, as you play where you play, 
as you study where you study, go and make disciples. Do you remember the, the promise that, that Jesus made to his disciples in John 14? He said this, So truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and listen to this, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Now, I grew up in a sort of Pentecostal charismatic space, and I was told uh, the, the way that that was to be interpreted is I would do greater miracles than Jesus. The issue with that is Jesus rose himself from the dead, um, and I can't really think of a bigger one than that. So I don't know what the greater is, okay? So I'm like, he raised people from the dead, he rose himself from the dead. What's the greater? I, I don't know, like raised himself and then becomes something different maybe rather than the same being. I don't know what that is. I think what John is saying is, because he, he adds there, because I'm going to the Father, I think what he's saying is, in my humanity, I cannot be at all places at all times. I've set aside my omnipresence as God. So I am limited in my humanity by time and space. So people have to wait till I get there before I resurrect them from the dead. People have to wait till I get there until they are healed. But as I go to the Father, the Holy Spirit comes and now He gets inside of all of His people and they can go everywhere all the time. Do you see? So the greater is not that we're going to do some greater miracle than resurrecting ourselves from the dead, because I don't think that's possible. I think the greater is Jesus couldn't build a church in his humanity that would reach to the ends of the earth as he was commissioning. He needed people who'd be filled with the same spirit that would go and would continue going so that we'd eventually get to North Lakes and Jesus would be present here. How? Through his body, filled with his spirit. And so church, I want to encourage you. You are a part of the plan of God to display His glory to the world. Imperfectly, yes. But we are His plan and we are His body. So we will see greater miracles than Jesus, not in some sense of it being a better miracle, but in terms of more. And this church, we've seen people who were not Christians become Christians, get raised to new life. And so Jesus is calling his people to trust him and follow him. And if you study the book of Acts, if you study it carefully, you'll realize that the gospel gets to other cities and other places before the apostles ever get there. They go and it's already there. The professionals, the, the, like the king apostle guys, the big, big top, top of the church dudes, they go just to validate that it's actually the gospel. And sometimes they have to come back and kind of go, hey, here's what's going on. I'm pretty sure this is the same Jesus' work. And they're just validating. But the gospel is going. How come? Because ordinary men and women are moving around, getting different jobs. Sometimes it's the political government who's saying, I'm going to put you over there and your house is going to be over there. And they go there and they're still followers of Jesus, spreading the good news of Jesus, regardless of whether the one person, Apostle Paul, Apostle Peter, Apostle James can get there or not get there. The church just keeps spreading. This is good news because if you ever leave our church, that's okay. Because you will go and wherever you go, you will take Jesus with you. And you have the chance to proclaim the good news to anyone at all times. This is good news. So that's the heart of Jesus. We're seeing who he's calling. He's calling all of us. How does it work?
Well, disciples are made as people hear the gospel of Jesus. Romans 1.16 says, The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So in the beginning, Genesis 1, God speaks. Physical creation happens. In the New Testament, throughout the Bible, as God speaks, spiritual creation happens. So the gospel is not just something that we're just trying to convince people of. We're just letting the thing go because it is God's spirit-empowered working word that goes out. So it's not that we don't have answers. It's not that we don't think through particular things. But the gospel message in and of itself can bring life. And I don't know what your story is, but the first person to tell me about Jesus did a very, very bad, bad job. They were not good at this thing. And as a non-Christian, I wanted to help them along in the journey and go, let me help you tell me, non-Christian, how to probably present that a little bit better because you're really weird. They were like John the Baptist. It's like, put some decent clothes on, eat some decent food and stop being a weirdo. But guess what? God used that awkward, weird person and that same word went and produced fruit in my life. So you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have it all together. The word itself is powerful. And as people believe, then they start to grow in their knowledge and understanding of the gospel. The Holy Spirit continues to transform our lives in accordance with the gospel. We grow in knowing Jesus and trusting Jesus and following Jesus. And then we multiply by inviting others to come and do the same. So the commission is go. As you are going about your ordinary life, find ways to make disciples, mature disciples, multiply disciples. So, Jesus in Acts 1.8 said, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the gospel started in Jerusalem. Acts 2, Peter preaches the gospel. It tells us that 3,000 people are converted. So uh, 41 says, so those who received his word were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Now, just so you know, all of those people came from all the surrounding cities into Jerusalem. There are no other Christians. There are no other disciples outside of Jerusalem. So when they came to Jerusalem, they aren't going home. They stay. And what does the church do? The church goes, well, that's a lot of, that's a lot of people. What are we going to do? And here's what the church do. You just read like verse 42 to 47 Acts 2, they just start opening up their home and going, well, we probably need to give them a pillow and a bed and start feeding them. And all of a sudden, this church is birthed because they can't go home. There are no Christians there. There are no disciples there. There is no word of God there. It's purely in Jerusalem. In verse uh, 47 of chapter 2, it says, And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Peter and John continued the work of preaching. And another 5,000 people found life in Jesus. Acts 4.4, 4, but many of those who had heard the word believed and the number of men came to about 5,000. Acts 5.14, and more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Acts 5, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council. I love this. We've just been beaten for preaching Jesus, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. That's not normally my response. When people are like, I hate you. Your, your, you know, your sexual ethics are wrong. And the way that you view abortion and life is wrong. You're a Christian and I don't like you. Like, I don't respond with like, I'm worthy. 
Uh, I don't know what your response is. Mine is not that. I pray that God would continue to grow me. Listen to verse 42. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. That means they're saying to all of the Roman Empire, Caesar is not Lord, Jesus is. Why is he? Because he rose himself from the dead. Get Caesar to do that, maybe we'll follow him. But we don't follow him, we follow Jesus. He is the Christ. Acts 6, 7, and the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. AD 31, a disciple named Stephen is preaching with wisdom and power. The religious people hate him. They can't stand it. And so they seize him. They bring him in. And then before the council, he preaches the the longest sermon in the New Testament. And it is a phenomenal sermon, showing them how every story in the Old Testament was ultimately pointing to this Jesus who they killed and put on a cross. But hey, it's okay because he rose again to new life. You can believe in him. And so then they stone him. And who is standing at his stoning? A man named Saul. Literally everybody, it says, is bringing their coats and he's just holding their coats and he is affirming that this is good. 758 says, Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him and the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Acts 8.1, And Saul approved of his execution. Saul heard the sermon that everything was about Jesus. He heard that sermon. You can almost trace Paul's teaching throughout all of his letters back to that sermon. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church. Where? In Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions now to Judea and Samaria. Except the apostles. So now the church is being spread and the apostles are staying. Acts 8.14, now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John. AD 34, this Saul on his way to imprison and execute more disciples. Jesus interrupts him, knocks him off his high horse and encounters him and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then tells him, I've chosen you for a purpose. You belong to me. Saul gets converted. 22, but Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews. This is after he's been born again, who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. AD 44, Herod Agrippa imprisons Peter, executes James, and John. Believers are scattered. Antioch becomes the center of the gospel. Acts 12, 24, but the word of God increased and multiplied. From Antioch, Paul and Barnabas are sent out in their first missionary journey. Are you kind of picking up the deal here? Eventually, Timothy, Judas, Silas, John Mark start to join in on this mission. They hit metropolitan Macedonia, Roman colonies, preaching Jesus, planting new churches, and then they come back to these churches to strengthen them in in their faith. 16 verse 5, so the churches were strengthened in their faith and increased in number. They then continue to hit major cities. They're going after Ephesus, Galatia, Philippi, Colossae. They're, They're going for Laodicea. They're going, hey, where do we need to spread this good news of Jesus They get to a place called Berea and it says, Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. Acts 19, 19 to 20. A number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found that it came to 50,000 pieces of silver, a lot of money. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. The word of God, the church of God just continues to spread across the Roman Empire. Men and women like Phoebe, Prisca, Aquila, 
Epaphroditus, Andronicus, Junia, Urbanus, Rufus, Persis, Philogus, Julia, there's a few hard names here, Stephanus, Fortunus, that was fortunate, Achaius, Tychicus, Eudia, Syntyche, Trophimus, Erastus, these are just names in the books that Paul starts to write to and Peter starts writing to who have become Christians because someone spent the time to tell them about Jesus and journey with them to become disciples and followers of Jesus. Then Peter goes to all the elect exiles in the dispersion of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. AD, AD, because of the persecution, Christianity then spreads to France and Tunisia. AD 100, the first Christians are reported in Algeria and Sri Lanka. By AD 150, the gospel reaches Portugal and Morocco, Austria in AD 171, then Switzerland and Belgium. AD 328 reaches Ethiopia. Nearly 200 years later, Augustine of Canterbury goes on a missionary journey to England and on his first year baptizes 10,000 people. In AD 635, China receives its first missionaries. AD 740, Irish monks brought the gospel to Iceland and Norway. AD 900 to AD 1200, Bibles are translated in 22 different languages. 1491, Congo, first church, then Kenya. 1493, Pope Alexander VI sends missionaries to the US with Christopher Columbus. 1531, South America has its first mission work in Mexico. 1550, John Calvin sends missionaries to Brazil. 1606, the leader of an expedition, I love this guy's name, sorry if I pronounce it wrong, Pedro Fernandez de Quirius, landed in Vanuatu, believing that this part of the world was the land of the, uh, the southern land of the Holy Spirit. Permanent presence of Christianity in Australia begins with the arrival of the first fleet, 1788. Reverend uh, Richard Johnson of the Church of England was licensed. He starts preaching the gospel, has his first sermon underneath a tree. This is the first church. I think we go to the next slide. This is the first church that's built in 1793. This is a drawing of it. His first ever sermon is Psalm 116 about the goodness of God. Early to mid-1800s, free settlers begin arriving in Australia. Gospel continues to spread. 1822, first congregational church established in Tasmania. 1838, Lutherans arrive, Salvation Army. On and on and on we go. 1819 was the first time the gospel spreads to Brisbane. Now, in all of that history is mess, is brokenness, fractured, sinfulness. But you cannot stop the gospel of Jesus Christ from going. And it is ordinary, broken, flawed human beings that keep on spreading this gospel. In 2016, a small group of about 30 people said, let's go, let's go replant a church in North Lakes. And let's see if we can reach more people with Jesus in North Lakes. Three years later, about 12 people said, hey, we want to we take that same gospel. Are you laughing because that's a smaller amount? We couldn't give them a bigger number? Yeah, well, we couldn't give them more than the 30 we had, so we gave them 12. Um, they went up to Calandra and planted a church. If we can go to the next slide... There are 500,000 people that live in the Moreton Bay region. How many churches are there? 141 churches. That's including Catholics, Word of Faith churches, churches that aren't preaching the gospel of Jesus. 
if we are to reach every single person in Moreton Bay that doesn't know Jesus, we need 141 churches of 3,500 people. All this to say, the church must continue to go. We have to. There are too many people that don't know Jesus. And so how does this work? It starts by you and I deciding that we are going to follow Jesus and we will slowly, one by one, make disciples of Jesus. That we will invest our lives with people where we work, where we play, where we live and where we worship. And we'll seek to grow each other and mature each other. And over time, more and more churches will get planted. I don't know about you, but I think we need a church the Redcliffe way. I think we need another church Warner Petrie way. I think we need another church Kabulcha way. There are not enough churches preaching Jesus to reach the amount of people that don't know Jesus. It is our turn. We'll be on stage for a little while, then we'll exit. Jesus stays on stage, but it is our turn. Will you come and will you go? Let's pray. God, we see the need, the amount of people that need Jesus. God, just in our part of the world alone, there are 500,000 people, of which maybe 4 to 8% genuinely attend a church, follow Jesus. And so, God, that leaves us. Over 450,000 people in our area that don't know Jesus. And God, that number is overwhelming. But that number really is just broken down with individual people. And everyone here, all of us can reach out to one. We can invite one person to sit at our table. We can invite one person to church. We can give up one thing of our lives to reach these people for Jesus. Holy Spirit, we need you to help us, empower us, help us to, to believe that you can do something powerful through us, broken, sinful, flawed human beings, that you can use us. And God, we pray that this church would continue to see multiplication happen with disciples making disciples, with groups making groups, with churches planting churches. Not for our fame, not for our glory, not for our kingdom, but for you. And so Jesus, would you stir our hearts today just to, just to think. And as we go through the book of John over the next month, just to be thinking and praying and asking, God, where can we play our part? How can we do this? Who can we invite? Who can we love? How can we serve our neighbors? And God, may we hear of story after story after story of people who are far from you coming to faith repenting of their sin, believing in you, growing in their faith and eventually themselves going and making more disciples, we pray. And God, we pray that you would be glorified. Your glory would spread. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Well, why don't we stand? Why don't we sing to our great God in response? Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Center Church located in North Lake. We exist to make, mature and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon, declare and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecenterchurch.com.au. We provide our podcasts free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others. 
but please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC.